0: on this episode of In The Rack Podcast. It's
1: hard for a lot of athletes because everyone knows who the superstars are, right? Like there's no question about whether or not they belong where they are. It's those guys on the margin that have to be advocates for themselves, but also feel as though, can I speak up to the coach? Because if I do, then I'm in this great area. Watch the,
0: in the rack podcast where we provide you with a practical framework for
1: breaking prs in all facets of health and wellness we are just a couple of bros giving you the simple
0: house in a world of complex wants
1: no filters no scripts
0: no
2: rules just straight talk talk to him
1: now let's get into the rack
0: with your hosts dr chad and dr nick all right, everyone, welcome to another episode of in the Rack podcast. I am your host, Chad, and with me is my co-host and fellow physical therapist, Nick. Uh, we have another guest speaker on the show today, and um, his name is Akil Abdullah. Is that correct? That is correct. Oh, yes. All right. So I yeah, I, Nick is going to tell the story about how we got connected with Akil, but Akil is not only a father, but he's also an Olympian and a hydro athlete. So uh, we've got a lot of cool things to talk about today. Absolutely. And um so Akil was on the US National Rowing Team from 99 to 2004. Uh he competed at the 2001 and 2002 uh World Championships as well as competed in the 2004 Athens Olympic Games. So that's pretty pretty cool career. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. me. So
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, we, we got introduced to Akil through his wife, actually, Megan. She is a local physical therapist as well, and she's uh, been recently getting into the women's health side of things. And she's a good friend of one of my training clients. So Megan reached out to me and I was like, well, this isn't really my cup of tea. So I put her in touch with our women's health PT, Katie. And uh, from there, the relationship started and, and Megan will be on the podcast in a couple of weeks. So that'll be fun. So that is how we got introduced to Akil, and we couldn't be happier to have him on the podcast today. Yeah. yeah. So, I
0: mean, and you started from you were a software engineer yep. right, in Boston, and then you kind of worked your way over to, to Hydro now, right? Yeah. Are, yeah. You, are you doing like some of the similar things now in Hydro as you were doing in Boston or?
1: So yeah so our CEO uh, Bruce Smith likes to joke that like this company was built for me uh, I get to not only do I get to row but I get to write software yeah so um it was it was it was crazy they uh Bruce and um our sort of uh, head of content uh and experience uh Matt Lair, uh, reached out to me I think in 2018 and they were like, we've got this idea. And, you know, like they explained it to me and I was like, it'll never work. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, I also was like, um, you know, we had just had our second kid. And so I was a little risk averse. Um, but, you know, a year later, I sort of like had been looking at what they were doing. And the whole notion was that, you know, uh, was, it was bringing rowing to a group of people that didn't row. You know, I had this, I had, I had an experience, you know, my experience was very small. I had trained at the elite level and I had my own ideas of what rowing was and what rowing should be. Um, But I didn't really think about how do we expand rowing and give the benefits to uh, a broad range of people? How can everyone enjoy rowing? How can we create this beautiful experience, this most beautiful human experience? Um, And so uh, I said, okay, you know what? I'll film like a couple of episodes. I was still working at Cargo Metrics at the time. Time. And, um, and, uh, and I went down and I like did maybe th- uh, two months of just like filming episodes, yeah. filming, filming content, really figuring out how to row. Uh, look over my back make sure I'm not running into anything yeah lead a class um, keep a smile on my face (laughs) uh, and also just not pass out um, (laughs) trying to do all of that and uh, you know pretty pretty soon um, I just decided to peek into the tech stack and had conversations with the CTO at the time and um, and like pretty soon it was just like all right well how do I go full tilt into this
0: that's awesome yeah that's really cool yeah. yeah and for anybody that doesn't know what hydro is the commercials are all over the tv now yeah. um yeah. it's like the peloton version of rowing i guess you could call it yeah, you guys uh, got uh, kevin hart kevin Ray hart's on yeah. there yeah, yeah, yeah nice. so that's awesome you guys definitely probably know what it is now so yeah. no we're yeah. excited we're excited yeah. about this one so you definitely already talked about like how you got <laughs> introduced to hydro itself yeah. mm-hmm. so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself i know i kind of touched on little points there but i'm yeah. sure that's not even like anything yeah. compared to what you could you could tell us so
1: well the you know I was born in Washington D.C. the son of <laughs> now uh, <laughs> um now I got introduced to to rowing uh my senior year of high school I played football I was a wide receiver and um and I was like I didn't want to run track uh in the spring and so I was like oh, let me try out this rowing things so my my friends had been asking me for uh for years rather and but i was like eh, rowing's not a sport it's not hard <laughs> and i sort of remember just getting on the 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 rowing machine for the first time and just crushing it and then realizing like whoa i still have like 1500 meters to go, uh, <laughs> you know, not really understanding that it's a power endurance sport, sure, not yeah. just the power For aspect sure. of it. And so when that kicked in, like, you know, I basically hurled and fell off the machine and, and all that stuff. But um, it was probably like two or three months later, I really fell in love with the sport, being outside, being on the water, um, sort of like, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those sports where everyone is doing the exact same thing. And you're really trying to to obtain synchronicity. You're trying to yeah. move as one. And that sort of just drew me to the sport. And um luckily enough, I was offered a scholarship to row at George Washington University. Um and so, you know, I sort of picked it up uh, fairly quickly and um and sort of like that's that's the origin story. However, the piece of apocrypha or apocryphal literature is that I hadn't really decided on whether or not I was going to play football or uh, row or I haven't like hadn't given an official answer and like senior beach week was coming up and my (laughs) mom was standing at the bottom of the stairs and said you can't leave until you decide where you want to go to school now she she thinks i decided because she was putting the pressure on but really we had like a trunk full of beer and i didn't want her (laughs) walking
0: outside (laughs) where i was
1: going to put my bags but uh but now so so i'm i'm pretty happy that that i decided to row um worked out well
2: yeah that's awesome that is really cool cool. that's (laughs) a really quick turnaround too senior year you picked it up yeah Yeah. scholarship that's that's pretty wild so what was college wrong like
1: well you know i think that the it's it's one of those things that um each level you 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 go to as an athlete it just you do more right until you get to I think actually like the elite level where you're working to make small gains and then you're sort of maybe doing a little bit less. But um, the jump from high school to to college was was pretty shocking for me because we had a lot of good rowers on the team. And so... um, I was walking into a place where I really had to step up my game. And there's also the whole thing of like the, the freshman who walks in thinking he, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's going to sure. run the show yeah. and yeah. you're just like, you know, a lot of the seniors who had been there, are like, no, nah, son, you're not going <laughs> to do that. <laughs> you're not do that. So, um, but I would say that like, just as, as an athlete and for anyone that is stepping up, you know, through the levels of, 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 of the sport, of whatever sport they're in, like, you know, you're, you're doing more training, you're becoming more specific about what it is that you're trying to achieve. Um, And so I think for me, it was that it was going from doing what my coaches were telling me to really taking ownership of my fitness journey. So like now, like I was doing the running and I was doing the, uh, the 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 lifting, and I was like trying to actually make sure that you know I was right in the right zone when I was doing these things. You know, all of the things. My nutrition became more important. My my you know like monitoring my heart rate, sleep, all of those things. You know that just give you the edge. You start to realize how they affect your performance. So that was for me like the real, the real step
0: up from like from like high school to college yeah we didn't have like fancy smartwatches back then either yeah yeah no it's right? no yeah. bands and
2: it's it, it, i love the fact that you bring up that like you took ownership of your your fitness journey at that point because anyone can do that like you don't need to be an elite athlete to yeah. take ownership of it. it's scalable for everybody and it's easier than ever now with okay. all like chad said the fitness trackers so, for people out there listening, I mean, you can—you don't even need a fitness tracker. But mm-hmm. if you want something, some kind of data, you can use one of those. And and even if it's just a step count, yeah, like that's starting to, you know, take ownership. And that's pretty cool. That you know, even an elite athlete like yourself is is saying, yeah, that's that's kind of what made me do it. Was that I had to compete with you know my peers and and you know earn that spot. It's awesome. So, after college, um, what was the progression to the Olympics? Because I know. You know, it was when were you in college? So that's like around like uh,
1: ninety six. Okay, so that was, so then like it was a couple years before yeah. the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you know, I think that it is. It, we talk about sort of you know uh, how athletes make it to the the pinnacle of their sports, and um, and it, for me, it was a long road. Um, I out of college. Uh, I just, I wasn't quite good enough to make the national team. I was like right there on a the cusp, like I had some development to do. And luckily I was in a place where I could do it. I had support from a uh, Potomac boat club in Washington, DC. I had support from my parents. And like, this is sort of that, that space in, in rowing in particular, where we have to find a way to f- support those athletes that are on the fringes so that like, cause who knows what's going to happen in two years, they might get it. And then boom, they're like great athletes. So for me, I needed a couple of years of development. And for that meant like that was even taking even more ownership, like setting my goals and defining where I wanted to be, what I needed to achieve to get strong enough to compete with the, you know, the, the guys around me. And I had a Harvard. when I was competing, I was a, a midweight. They have lightweight rowing and heavyweight rowing. And I floated somewhere around 185. But, you know, I was rowing against guys who were like 6'4", 210, you know, 220, you know, six, eight, yeah, six, seven yeah, and all yeah. of that. So, you know, we get on the rowing machine and it's just like, they're, you know, like they're able to go like whatever, like five fifty-three, and I'm going like six minutes. So there's like, there's a power imbalance there. Um, so I just had to become, I had to get myself to a space where I was as fit as possible so that when we actually got on the water, being more efficient would allow me to be successful. And that's basically what that in-between time was. Um, nice. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. So... A couple of years later, you finally qualify for the Olympics. What was that like? So basically, the first
1: time I tried to qualify for the Olympics in 2000, I lost by 33 hundredths of a second. Yeah, that was, oh, a, that, was that was a big that was a that was like soul crushing. Um, and I still tell people I say that like, you know, like. People ask me, like, what was the hardest thing in my, that I've had to do in my life? And I tell them it was walk down the dock with my parents standing at the end after I had lost that trials and feeling like I had let them down. And, like, I just, like, it is one of those things that's just, like, etched in my head as as sort of my um, athletic career. Um, and I had, like, a couple of words of advice from coaches. One coach said, look, hey, keep your head up. Look down there, those people still love you. And another coach to me said to me, like, hey, remember this feeling here because you don't ever want to feel it again, right? And yeah, so those, t- those sure. two pieces of advice really, really helped me to continue my journey. And sort of um, it was one of those fortuitous years because that same year I went over uh, and won the Henley Royal Regatta in 2000. Um, and so that was sort of like, okay, I need to keep going. Um, I'm going to go through another Olympic cycle and uh and and i did
2: and it was good so that's awesome yeah that's awesome so what was it like competing in the olympics Uh, (laughs) yeah you know
1: so there's there's this there is you know there's this thing at the olympics and um you know, it's sort of like there are not to take anything away from any athlete that makes it to the Olympus, because like being at the top of whatever sort of region you're in to make it to qualify the work that you have to do. It's a tremendous amount of work. But we were really we were there, you know, even though it was a long shot, we were there to really try. We were there to try and meddle. And so it was like really focused on like like we're here you know so for me the partying didn't start until we were dead, yeah, till yeah. until after our finals <laughs> <Yes. laughs> but um i can tell you that like there's nothing like walking into the olympic stadium you know down this dark tunnel and then all of a sudden the cheers up, the fireworks and all of that and knowing that you know all of the work that you have done like this is this is a celebration of that you know i think a lot of times in 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 life you know whether it's on our fitness journey whether it's it's work whether it's it's something mundane we don't take time to celebrate ourselves like to give us that extra sort of like juice to go on a sort of self attaboy, you know and i think that that's that's helpful in 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 keeping us on track and remembering that like wow look back we've actually done more than we thought um so you know it's definitely like walking into the stadium was just like the, one of the most amazing things I've, I've been able to do. And then like lining up on the line, you know, I can still remember sort of like the, the glasses I had on, like I had a little medallion from, from, uh, from, from like, you know, um, the kid that I had, uh, you know, walked with for his confirmation. Uh, There was like, you know, my uniform, you know, the sweat on my head, like the starting line. Like I was where I wanted to be. I was on the line ready to race for an olympic medal and like that's another thing i tell people it's like no matter what it is you're doing race until they tell you you can't race your goal is like in order to get to a medal you have to be on the line in the finals right so like your goal is to make it there and to and to and to race until they say like oh well that's it racing's done and um so like that's that's sort of like being there on that moment uh in skanyas in greece you know the 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 birthplace of the olympics um was just like it is definitely there's it's one of those moments that's etched in my memory. That's awesome. That's and then beautiful. the partying started.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet. I bet. Oh, I bet. We won't go uh, into that. Yeah, we, we don't have to you. talk about that. Thank We're, you, thank you, We'll thank keep, you. We'll keep you that up. Yeah. I didn't know Megan then, so yeah. let's <laughs> not let's you got a family now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is different. Yeah. We'll keep that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so what happened with the Olympics? Um, so uh, to
1: make it to the finals, it, it was actually a dead heat uh, with us and um and uh and uh and 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 Denmark um and we like were sitting there after the semifinals just waiting to see who was going to make it in we were charging towards the end to make it and so it was the first time in a long time that there was a seven boat final uh at the olympus usually it's a six boat final so we 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 were at, we raced and i think uh we had we had given we had put a lot into that race so going into the finals um i don't know if we were our freshest but we were there to race and so whatever we had we gave and we wound up coming in six so we proved that we should have been there the yeah. Boat was yeah. Sad. Yeah. yeah yeah there you go yeah, yeah. that's right yeah. Ne- nito he, he was in the boat a friend of mine uh that was in the other boat if you're listening to this you you're you're still a good guy
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll make that. sure to tag him in uh, so uh, love <laughs> i love that i love that um awesome that's a that's an awesome story so what was like what was the major difference between your training for the olympics Mm. and like your training in college and and even before that
1: yeah so going back to sort of what i was talking about before it becomes so laser focused like when i was in college we had like so many races i forget we had fall races we had spring races uh after that like when i was like in that in-between phase i was going to races all the time just banking all of that experience but then once i got to the national team and the elite level like we had like i'd go to races but like the key races were like we had maybe like four world cup races and uh world championships every year um so the racing we weren't racing as much but we were still training like very hard and like at some point you reach a level where it's about maintaining yeah. like sort of the, what you have achieved, like you can yeah. make s- those small gains, but like right now you're just like, I'm put. I'm logging these, I've got the engine, you know, I, yeah. so all, now I need to do is keep it, keep yeah. it going. So a lot of that is like the nutrition aspect of it, uh, the recovery aspect of yeah. it. Um, you know, like, uh, being, um, being an advocate for, for yourself, I think was one of the hardest part It's part parts for me, you know, and it's hard for a lot of athletes because everyone knows who the superstars are, right? Like there's no question about whether or not they belong where they are. It's those guys on the margin that have to be advocates for themselves, but also feel as though, can I speak up to the coach? Because if I do, then I'm in this gray area and how, so like I, you know, really tell young athletes, learn to be an advocate for yourself. You have to be able to make the case, right? Yeah. Um, and a specific example that I get is like one year I was just burnt out from from I, I just felt burnt out, and I said to my coach I said Hey, uh, you know Chris korzanowski he's this this Polish guy he's like hey, Korzo he's like yeah it's a key you know he's, uh, <laughs> I love his, his accent I said like um, you know I need to go I'm I'm burnt out he says all right I'll send you to train with the canoe and kayaking team in Lake Placid so that winter. I cross-country skied and lifted weights with the canoe and kayaking team. You know, I came yeah. back in the spring, and it was such a great thing for me. But I felt empowered to to make that request. Yeah, right? absolutely. And for me, like, that, that was a game changer because, like, say I had stayed and rode on the machines and lifted weights and, like, not really been into it. Uh, that could have been the end of my career. Absolutely. You know, um, because in those areas, sometimes you get hurt right? When you're not paying attention, when for you're sure. not like focused on what you're trying to accomplish. So, yeah. um, that step to the elite level is really, once again, about taking even more ownership, but also learning to be an advocate
0: for yourself. Mm. Yeah, oh. I think hard time. I love that. It's probably pretty hard for an athlete at that level to, to admit that they are burnt out. Right. Cause yeah. it's like a sign of weakness, <laughs> sure, you know what yeah. I mean? So you know, we never want to show our weakness, yeah. right? So I think it's okay, you know, because it can only make you better in the end. Yeah, well, sure. that's so much of the conversation that we're
1: seeing right now, yeah. right? Like, how do you, we, 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 the model of, you know, like, well, you know, like now that it's like in business, it's empathetic leadership. But, like, moving from the the coaching aspect where we push ourselves as athletes to the limit, right? We push ourselves in so many areas to the limit. And to say that we can't do it is admitting failure. But also, that's a strength to admit that, like, I'm not saying that I can't do this. I'm just saying I can't do it right
2: now. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Now, we talk about that a lot on this podcast, like, people advocating for themselves with their doctors, with their therapists, whoever they're working with. Uh, you know, on their health, their nutrition coach or nutritionist, like advocate for themselves. Don't just, you know, say, yep, I will do that. I will do that. I will do that. Right. Like if that doesn't work for you, what they're telling you, you know, you gotta, you gotta speak up and and say, Hey, can we maybe modify or do something a little different here? Cause this isn't, this isn't working for me. So I think that's huge for people to know that even, you know, you being an Olympian, like you, you still advocated for yourself. Whereas I feel like, you know, a lot of times we just say, okay, you know, that, they're just listening to their, their coaches and the specialists telling them what to do. And, and, you know, they're just putting their head down and playing or doing whatever they got to do. So that is important for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I really, I really think that especially now, um, it's so, we have so many things in our lives that we're trying to accomplish and, you know, yes, it's good to defer to the, the experts, but also, uh, you have to be willing to say, ask questions and say, is this working for me? And, you know, really take, you know, take ownership. Like for once sure. again, going back to taking ownership of, and saying like, what is, what are the outcomes that I, that I really want to see from this?
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. I think it's interesting too, you bringing up how like once you got into the, the highest level, there was less competing and more training and practicing. Yeah. And we look at youth sports nowadays and it's just all playing. It's like, oh, yeah, we got seven games this weekend. Yeah. Like, when did you practice? Like, whoa, we didn't have practice this week. We have all games this weekend. Yeah. It's like, why, why aren't we practicing anymore? We just play all these games. <laughs> right. And I know, I mean, I know as a kid, like growing up playing basketball, yeah. I loved the games. And I was like, oh, man, practice? Like, yeah. and I feel like that's what we've, we've given in and we've said, you know what? These kids aren't really like, liking practice. So let's just keep playing more games. Yeah. But you know, then they're they're not developing the skills and and like you said, developing that that uh, you know all the foundational things right. that they need for that particular sport. Right.
1: And I think you know, just going tapping in a little bit to like you know, sort of like what you guys do. It's it, how do you make fitness fun? How do we bring play into these things? And like, you know, so much of developing skills is about play. Absolutely. Like how many times does a kid fall down before they learn to walk? Oh yeah. You know, how many yeah. times do we do all of these things and build a repetition? And like even, you know, my daughter trying to get her to practice the piano. Oh. She just like doesn't want to do it. I but just and, went through this with
0: the violin. <laughs> I got rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't do it anymore don't do the violin yeah yeah good good, good. No, but but
1: but how do we I hear you yeah how do we make how do we bring play into this and like that's where we start out our original state is yeah. play and yeah. so um i think that that i don't know how we return to that model but like it goes into so, so many things that i'm not for like the the, the level of specialization that we see with kids yeah. and youth sports now i mean people talk about it all the time but like just go out and have fun move your yeah, body
2: absolutely absolutely todd hargrove has a um, a book called playing with movement and he <laughs> he has a quote that I love and, and it's the more intelligent, the animal, the more the animal plays, mm. which is great because we're the most intelligent animal on the planet, but we've stopped playing mm. in the last you know couple decades. Yeah. So that's super important for, for people to, to understand and that you need, you need to play and yeah. there's physical play. There's mental play. Like we kind of do mental play a lot more with technology and things like that, but we're not, we're missing the physical play piece mm-hmm. and people need to do it more. That's why I love, um, you know, the, the balance beams we have here at Proform, like Mm -hmm. it's literally just you get on it and it's don't fall off. Right. And and it's like, that's a form of play because now, okay, I can't fall. Oh, I fell off. All right, let me try it again. Right. And then you try different movements on it. And then I do with, um, a lot of training clients. I just set up like a, an obstacle course. And basically I say, all right, the blue turf upstairs is lava. Can't hit the lava floor is lava. Right. So you got to jump from one box to the other or walk across this unbalanced. So I like to implement that at least even if it's just five minutes as like a warm-up mm-hmm. because it's a form of playing. Yep. Um, and, and for people listening out there, like play should be like when we're playing a game, sometimes it, it, it might not be considered the play that we're talking about right now because it's it's a high stress stakes, right? It, it, it's, it's If you're playing a game where there's a scoreboard, like you're mm-hmm. trying to score more points, so it becomes stressful. Yeah, it's fun a lot of the time. But there's an added stress component and there should be some level of, you know, risk and stress involved with play. But we've kind of overdone the whole organized sports, I think, mm-hmm. you know, where it's it's kids are, are becoming more stressed than yeah. actually enjoying the play. So we need more of that in the practices and, and the training. And I think that's cool that you said, like when you became more elite. You trained and practiced more, and if we can get kids to enjoy practice more, yeah. that could be huge because now they can enjoy the sport again and not kind of grow to hate it. How many kids do we see nowadays? They play this sport, they specialize in the sport, and then they don't even end up going, wanting to play it anymore after, say, like sometimes middle school, but after high school because they're like, "Oh, I'm done with it." I had so many friends growing up playing yeah. basketball that that happened to. They're like, hey, "I got burnt out from it." Like high school did it in for me, yeah. right? Because it, it was too much. Like it was, it was just like, you know, they didn't like practice the games became too stressful high stakes parents were putting pressure on them they're just like i can't do this i'm just going to go to college and and drink like yeah, that's pretty much what happened like, so it's it's yeah. it is it is interesting that they bring up that you mentioned
1: thing. something that i thought is just like for anybody that's listening with with children like the whole balance thing right yeah. like we have a pull-up bar in our house my daughter who's seven is almost doing a full pull-up. That's But awesome. she like climbs the inside of the doorway and jumps up. My son, who is three, looking at her, now can climb all the way up, and he pretends to do pull-ups. Like, <laughs> but... But like, that's just it. it. Like I, I watched, we were we were out for a walk and I just watched and they like jumped up on a log and like, that's play. Like yes. Like you were talking about yes. the pressure, but like the pressure doesn't have to be there. Like yeah. just pull something out and start like yeah. figuring out how you move, like yeah. how you balance, exactly. how you hang, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like all of those things. That's it's it's play. exploratory. Play yeah. should be exploratory for yeah. sure. And
2: it should be, you know, in, intrinsically motivating to an extent. I know there's a lot of kids out there that, are motivated by external factors for their sport and that you know that borders the line like is that actually playing the way we should think about playing like it should be intrinsic and motivated you should be doing it because you want to do it because you're you want to see how this works you want to see if you can do this if you can succeed at this not because oh i got to do this because i got to impress my coach or i got to impress my parents like and that becomes a factor that as you get Beyond like into the level, yeah, that needs to be there. But early on, no, like we shouldn't have that being at the forefront. It should be more, you know, within like, what do I want to do? How do I want to move my body? Right. And just kind of mess around with
1: it. I think that to to sort of just sum up what, you know, we've been talking about, it's something that I talk about in something in some of my workouts is curiosity. Yeah. Right. You want to get better at something, then be curious about it. Right. I love like be curious about, uh, oh, what happens if I lean back just a little bit more here? What happens? How does that affect what I'm seeing on the screen? So I think that it's that it's that curiosity about things. And like you said, like out of those high stress conditions that allow us to really make those types of gains that we want to make. Like, oh, I'm rehabbing from this. What if I start just playing with this ball here? And what happens? Like, how does that feel? Yeah, You know, so like so many of those conversations we, we're we not having with ourselves and that curiosity, I think, is key.
2: Absolutely. I would say that's huge too. Like you you even said for physical therapy, like we have a lot of people that come in and, and they're hurt and maybe they had information from another PT or a doctor, like don't do this, don't do that. And then they just stop. And I'm like, well, have you tried this? Well, no, the doctor told me not to do that, right? Well, you know, if nothing's broken, nothing's unstable, try things. If it yeah. doesn't hurt, you can do it. You yeah. know, it's it's not, if it's, if it's hurting, okay, maybe reevaluate. Can you try it a different way? Right. Can you do something different? Can you make a little tweak, you know, and play around with it? And that's a conversation we have day in, day out with people. And yeah. they haven't tried that themselves because, you know, maybe there's been some, you know, fear avoidance because they've been told certain things, whatever the case may be. But that's, you know, that's a huge part of our rehab is like, hey, yeah. try it. See what happens, especially with something like runners because, mm-hmm you know runners get told all the time oh just shut it down for three weeks mm-hmm. and then they shut it down they listen they go back to running and they go it figure it comes back yeah. right and we're just like hey no we don't want you to stop running but we're gonna play around with some stuff right we're like oh let's try some hills instead you know so um those are techniques that we're using all the time but i like that i don't think i use the word let's let's get curious about it but I, i'm gonna start for yeah. sure. that's awesome yeah.
1: yeah well I mean like if coming from the standpoint of liability and things like that it's easy to say don't do these things right? oh for sure, and for you, sure. Don't, you don't and and you also take the the, the burden off yourself of having to yeah. figure out what it yeah. is that needs to be yeah. done so yeah
2: and we, we well, people listening to this they probably it probably sounds like we bash doctors a lot yeah. but we, we kind of do well I know but it's, <laughs> and it's but I want to reiterate we we say these things. And, and you know, we, we might be bashing a certain profession or anything, but it's not their fault. It's how they're trained. Yeah. Because they're trained to to look at things a certain way, look at images instead of the person, you know, trained to look at the point, point of pain, which mm-hmm. is going to mislead you. And then also, we've talked about this over and over, the insurance company doesn't allow them to have more than five, 10 minutes with the person. Right. So if you only have five, 10 minutes, right. you're not going to tell them how to be curious and go play with their movement because you don't have time to. Right. You're going to say. You know what? If this hurts, just don't do that for four weeks, and then come back and see me. I'll see you for another five, ten minutes, and we'll see where you're at.
1: Right. Right. So that's right. all
2: they they get for time, and yeah. that's where where we've we've gotten ourselves into a little bit of a bind because the system is 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 mismatched with with where we're at, at you know, culturally and as a society, and we need to we need to make changes mm. for sure. Agreed. Yeah. Deep stuff, man. Yeah, it is. It is um all right let's uh so we let's lighten it up well, yeah let's sounds, lighten it up yeah how like how it, do you seriously. so <laughs> come on so how often do you row nowadays
1: uh it depends on the time of the year like right okay. now like so um i i uh in the my year sort of goes from our home base hydra's home base in boston we where like i could go and row like a couple you know probably like three Three to four times a week, I'll actually row, even though I'm probably just filming workouts twice a week. Um, and, but like you know, I do so in the winter. I usually do like one week a month in whatever location we're at, uh, and then um, but during that time, I'm like on the indoor machine. I'm on the hy- my hydro at home, mm-hmm. uh, surfing uh just you know like nice. I, I tell people ask me about like you know uh w- w- what it is that i, I like i want to be in shape now so that i can play with my kids love that like yeah. that's sort of like so whatever reason like when people are asking about working out how do you find motivation i do to, like let's just say like find something that you want like that is important in your life yeah. that fitness will enhance Right. For sure. So we're not talking about, oh, I'm, you know, like, so that it doesn't end. Right. We spoke about this a little bit beforehand. So, like, keeping people motivated uh, to and keeping people interested. Like, my kids are just going to become more physical. Like, the other day, like, sure. my son jumped on my back and pulled me over like, before because he's getting bigger. Yeah. Right? yeah so yeah, now yeah. I've got to be like, you yeah, you can't jump on my back. It anymore. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but you know my my daughter takes kung fu and like the other day we, like we get the other day she kicked me and i was like yo you can't <laughs> kick me anymore <laughs> right so like I've got to fight uh, off all of these yeah. things so that, you know, I can yeah. at least, you know, <laughs> stay at the top of the pyramid for a little bit longer. Yeah, I so, hear you. Um, oh, but, but, you know, like, yeah. So in terms of like the the rowing, it's sort of like throughout the year, it sort of changes just in terms of sort of where hydro, yeah. hydro is based. So nice. once it gets too cold here in Boston, we uh, head down, we head to like other home locations and then yeah. we have destinations running all throughout the
2: year. So. That's awesome. Awesome. So you mentioned surfing. What else besides rowing do you do to stay Uh, in shape?
1: So, yeah. So I was doing some swimming. Um, I'm really like I need and maybe I should like, you know, sign up with some lessons with you guys. Like I'm really into mobility now. Yeah, like I've been like it's showing I said it so it like shows up on my like Instagram feed all the time now but like just I'm like we were talking about yeah. curious with motion right like how do you keep yourself from getting injured and so much of that yeah. is about flexibility right sure. and so yeah. like how do I keep that flexibility and I see these people doing all of these things with movement and motion yeah. and I'm trying to think about like, oh, how do I get there how do yeah. I how do I do that yeah. so so those are that's what I'm interested in right now but um, you know at one point I I was, I was doing some training with some classes and things like that. But, nice. um, but, uh, yeah, throughout the year, it's just sort of like running, um, as well. So,
2: yeah. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Um, what uh what's the nutrition like? How's your diet? Uh
1: so you'll be able to talk about that in a couple of weeks when you have my wife on. <laughs> <laughs> she is our uh lead nutritionist at the house. Um I've been struggling. I was just like, you know, she it, it, when we were first together, I used to do a, way more cooking. Uh I like somewhere along the line she just took over all the cooking. Uh and now I've been battling to just like do one meal a week that I'm responsible for. Uh, my my sort of area of expertise is in stews because you can just like throw everything mm, yeah. in a crock pot yep, yep, and yep. then just walk away. And then eight <laughs> hours later, the kids show to back done, up yeah. home and you're ready to feed them. Yeah. Um, but I think that <clears throat> we go like, we balance like through trying to get do like a clean diet, you know, uh, and you know, it's hard with kids cause For like, sure. I don't like that. Or like, you know, so you're trying to, to show them like good things to eat. Uh, but definitely like we'll go through periods of like trying to eat really clean. Uh, and then other periods of just sort of like probably way too starchy. <laughs> um, and just that whole balance of like really yeah. trying to listen to how our bodies feel. Um, but you know, like in terms of like, we're lucky to live where we live. We can go to like the farms, tender crop and all of these yeah, places out sure. here that, sure. that have, you know, you know, you're getting good Absolutely. quality local food. For sure. So, yeah. um, so that's sort of where we are from the nutrition aspect. Um, and, and like nothing, uh, too crazy, but definitely, uh, looking into sort of like, you know, it, it all goes around. You know, you read Blue Zone Diets and yeah, all of yeah, these things. Yeah. And I think that the bottom line is just trying to incorporate uh, like a healthy uh diet like you know like make sure you're eating the fruits and vegetables making sure you're you're drinking the water make sure you're yeah. not overdoing it on the carbs which are yeah. kind of tough for me because i like those <laughs> those late night snacks yeah you know, right you know, like know. i'm up late and it's I just know. like oh i can hit those potato chips <laughs> i me. Right? Yeah. Like, shut yeah. down no <laughs> yeah.
2: i know it's it's tough nowadays yeah. and everything's so convenient right yeah. readily available that's yeah. the i think that's the biggest challenge for for everybody is everything so well, number one, so convenient, but then yeah. there's so much process stuff that, that is so easy, so much easier. It's highly oh, palatable. And, yeah. And that's, those are the biggest challenges for people. But yeah, you hear that everybody, uh, an Olympic athlete struggles with it too. So yeah. you're not alone in that, right? No. Everyone, everyone it, struggles with that.
1: Yeah. The key is to just keep it out of your house. Don't buy it. That's like, it. You see those, cookies? like, it. don't buy them. Just yeah. like, don't buy them and yeah. they're not there. Yeah. Um, and it's, crazy too because you know there's so many uh ways out there now to get like fruits and vegetables at like a reasonable price for sure um but as you said there's just like food deserts out there like i was driving in uh in boston and i stopped at this quote unquote convenience store and i just look around and i'm just like None of this is food. Yeah. <laughs> it's so like true. none of this is food. It's like it's none of it. It's, it's just bad. Like, yeah. It's bad. <laughs> it is. And so you're just like People just, they don't, they don't have the, they don't have the choice um, in a lot of places. And so it's, it, it, we struggle as well to try to, to try to get good stuff. I should say Megan struggles uh, yeah. <laughs> to, to try and get good stuff on the table.
0: <laughs> now, do your kids eat what you guys eat at dinner or do you make them separate meals? For the
1: most, for the yeah. most part, they eat what we eat. But like if we're doing something, there's still sort of suspect on fish. Yeah. And so um, you know, that, like yeah, yeah. you know, like for me, my favorite thing, and I can eat it all the time, it's like Megan makes this salad with just like rotisserie chicken just pulled yeah. apart. Yeah. Some like goat cheese and, and like to me, like some cranberries thrown in yeah. there, a couple yeah. walnuts, boom, for me, like I could eat that all week. That's just like to me, it just tastes really good. Yeah. Um, I can't feed that to the kids all week. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, no, we put at least a portion of what we're eating yeah. on their plate. Like, even if we're uh, uh, copping out and buying organic chicken nuggets <laughs> uh, <laughs> with sweet potato fries. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah this sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Do the same thing. Yeah. 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 The air fryer I mean, was yeah. the
0: best thing we ever bought. We yeah. just throw everything in the air yeah. fryer. It's yeah. done in, like, 10 minutes. Yeah. Just throw it right on the plate, and you're you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you sure. need it we're busier than ever
2: I like know, as that's, just that's as, as as humans like yeah. we're so busy nowadays and yeah it's like could we be less busy of course but i mean the world is the way it is and, and we're all busy so you find you find workarounds for sure yeah cool well, i
1: was gonna say this is one i mean like we were talking about earlier i think but this is sort of like one thing that the pandemic has done for us is it, it has helped the help us to and our employers, I think a lot of times you guys are your own employers, yeah. so different for you, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but realize that like there can be more balance, right? You know, like so much of the pandemic for me was like learning how much I didn't do when I was going into Boston every day. Right, and they're just like, "Wow!" Like I'm like I'm patting myself on the back. I'm a great dad. Yeah, <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> "Wow!" Like there's a lot of stuff that's yeah. happening here that like because is- you have to do it now because yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah, 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 that's, that's yeah, what happened to me. Yeah, so. uh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, exactly. you,
2: you, hey, you did that to yourself. You well, wanted that's to true. cut your hours. That's yeah. true. You wanted yeah. to cut your hours. hours here and then yeah. go yeah. figure. You now got now kids I at home, man. I sit at home and I'm like, damn. No, man, you you got to yeah. yeah. go now pick hours. up the kids huh? off the bus now. I know. Before you were just work. I know. Yeah.
0: I have a checklist of things I got to do every day. And I'm like, wait a minute. The kids, wait, the kids have to get off the bus at what time? Because they have two different stops. And I'm like, oh. So sometimes I screwed it up once where I missed one and then I had to like wait for the bus to come around, and I was hoping and praying it would get there, so <laughs> I didn't have to leave leave her on the bus.
2: That's so awesome. Father of the Year award. Oh man, I got her. Yeah, it's all good. All right, Akil. That's any good. anything else you do uh, for your health, like aside from the fitness, like meditation, uh, cold tubs, saunas, <sighs> yeah. anything like that?
1: So you know, like all of this is just like when we lived in um, when we lived in uh, Boston proper. Uh, I used to go to a place called Body Squad. It started by a friend of mine. It's more of like an active recovery yeah. type of deal. So you get in there. They have the Norma They have yep, like someone yep. just stretching you out. And it's just like, you know. Um, but uh, like, uh, you know. And so I had asthma uh, growing up. And so for me, I used to actually do a lot of breath work, just really focusing on my breath, putting, trying to, in, in meditation and visualization to sort of put myself in a place where my body was having a physical reaction so that I could work on staying calm through those periods. And I think that that's, that's very important. And like, you know, the, the, we discount sort of the, the mental aspect of our fitness and um, quiet time like taking time and stepping back is, is just so important. And whether it's just walking meditation or, uh, you know, taking a walk or whether it's just sitting down and taking some breaths. um, I think, like you said, there's just like, so there's like apps out there for all of this stuff. You, yeah. can, you don't have to really jump in like, yeah. you know, with meditation classes, you can find a way to sort of figure out. And then as you become more curious, uh, do those things. But for, for sure. me, like surfing, Is definitely a a form of, of, of meditation away from the land. Yeah. Absolutely. And like, it's just out there. And so, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's crazy. Silence is a form of discomfort for people nowadays, right? Like that's crazy to think that silence has become a form of discomfort. It's, it's insane that when, when you actually step back and think about that, but it's a reality. So if you can get yourself to be more comfortable with silence, It's going to do your health some good because it's going to promote some relaxation and and Mm -hmm. remove you from all the stressors of your life for sure. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Cool, definitely good. What do you got? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I think I'm good. I we uh, and we get
0: that one last question that we ask. Oh yeah, last
2: question. Do you, oh,
0: not, you want me do it? no, no, no. Okay, I, I, I just I, oh, you look at the it? screen. Do, do I do well, it? I was like, wait, you which can question did I yeah. do it? I don't know what the question is. Oh, <laughs> <So yeah. laughs> it's what? And you probably already answered this yeah, a yeah. few times, but yeah. you know, maybe we'll just kind of highlight it towards the end here. Yeah. But like, what's one piece of health advice from your experience that you could offer to our listeners that they could probably start implementing like today? Start small. Like, uh,
1: you know, like uh, if you're, if there's something you're trying to achieve, start small. Like if you're trying to walk, uh, put on your shoes, go to the door, I like just, that. just start that process. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and be curious, like, you know, like you, do, it, it we, we, you don't have to make a, an enormous change at the beginning to get to where you want to go. So like my advice to people who want to start their fitness journey, uh, expand their fitness journey, uh, do it with small changes. And that's something you learn at the elite level. You don't go and like throw your whole program and yeah, say, what well, yeah, can yeah. we change here to try to find improvements? And so that goes into the curiosity part. So start small and be curious. Mm, I, I like that. it. That's, that's so fun. true though. Yeah, that's it is. so
0: true. You try to do everything at once, and but it, it probably ends up hurting you more times. Oh, yeah, it's hurting yeah, me yeah. more times than, yeah, than for not. Sure. So. Yeah, for sure. So we've got, the next episode is actually going to be Megan, which is. Yeah, because yeah, next week cause is. Because next break. week. Yeah. Because yeah. we're doing it every other week now. What, what is the date? I don't even so know. So it's oh, not next week. It's the week after. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because yeah, next week's.
2: Next Friday is April 1st, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm away
1: next Friday. So she's probably going to yeah. not be excited to do yeah. <laughs> it. The week after that. <laughs> It'll be the, week after after that. be the week after that. It'll be the week. Episode. It'll yes. definitely be the week after that. Yeah, I looked it up.
0: So yeah. I. I have the moral of the story, and normally I do this during, but I did it before because I wanted to be prepped for this. And some of the stuff you hit on today, so I'm kind of glad I put it in there um, because I, I actually took some of this from some of the stuff that Akhil has written on online. So I kind of just put it all together and put it in my own words. But so here it goes. Akhil has, has not only had an amazing career, but he has had a great outlook on fitness. And I think it's an outlook that we should all strive toward. Akhil considers himself a lifestyle athlete meaning he performs the activities that help support him being able to do what he likes to do. He swims because he loves to surf. He does plyometrics because they help him play with his kids. Yep. Um, and he rows because he loves being out on the water. I yeah. guess we could have put surfing there too, now knowing. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know he was a surfer. Uh, next time you were thinking about your fitness goals, think about the activities that you like to do instead of having like, bigger biceps. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, If all else fails and life continues to take the wind out of your sails, grab yourself a hydro and (laughs) stuff. I like that. I'll see you on the water. (laughs)
1: joining us in the rack this week make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future
0: episodes you can also find us online at proformptma.com or on social media at proformptma and remember if you train inside the
1: rack you better be thinking outside the rack